I'll scratch that. Because it's wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Wrong. Welcome to the 13th episode of Cinema Decon, deconstructing and overthinking the movies of our younger years. My name is Steve, and on this podcast, we will revisit the movies that we keep in the back part of our minds as flawless masterpieces, untouchable by any criticism. And hopefully they stay that way. Join us as we rewatch a randomly selected movie from our list of 300 plus from the 80s, 90s, and 2000s. With me on this journey is my co-host, a man who dances a jig after every fight to the death, Aaron. How are you tonight, Aaron? I am hanging in there, Steve. It's been a long time since we've done this, so uh, it's nice to get back to being in the movie business, for lack of a better term. Yeah, a bit of a little hiatus for the show. We had uh, a lot of a lot of work stuff, a lot of family stuff. There's a lot of a lot of a lot of stuff. Life happened. That whole day job thing, you know, always gets believe, in the way. Believe it or not, this is not our primary income. <laughs> no, honestly, it's not even our secondary income, but. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what the primary, secondary, tertiary word is for, you know, like umpteen, but we're not even that. <laughs> yeah. I think it falls under hobby. Hobby. <laughs> hobby. <laughs> yeah. Although this is our first paid show. That is true. We're going to turn it right around with this. First in a, a string of paid shows. We have three in a row. We'll talk about that at the end. So what we do here at Cinema Decon is rewatch of an old movie, the hopes that they're still as good as we remember them. Then Steve and I meet up to talk about it, point out our high low cards, and give it a rank and place on our mega list. Before we watch our target movie, we first record our memories and recollections of it, then proceed and watch said movie. So far, our memories have been both perfect and completely wrong at the same time. We just hit our one-year anniversary as a podcast. Woohoo! It's the little milestones that count. <laughs> Been a long road getting from there to here. Find that, find a music clip of that. <laughs> the supernatural, the long road. There a right. little faith, or that, or I was going to say faith of the heart. Oh, <laughs> long road. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know what we, you know what we should do? an idea for maybe the next one is do a previously on cinema decon like <laughs> like it's you know, previously on cinema decon and then just a random line with no context and then just one line come back. that's good that's good previously on cinema decon yeah <laughs> uh that's good I'll, right. I'll, I'll, that's a good idea i'm about to work on that today's movie is the 1991 film the last boy scout directed by tony scott written by shane black Starring Bruce Willis, Damon Wayans, Taylor Negron, and Halle Berry. This week's episode is brought to you by the Steinbeck Auto Closer Toilet Seat. Never get caught hiding in the closet by her psychotic private detective husband again when the lid that literally covers up for you. Since 1983, Steinbeck has been taking the dull out of adultery. The dull out of adultery. <laughs> I was, I was having trouble trying to find something. Yeah, that's, that's good. It's, it's worth it for dull out of adultery. <laughs> <laughs> so 
Aaron, what are your recollections of the last Boy Scout? Oh God, um, man, that's that's one that I can't remember that much about. I remember, I remember. It, it's like we were talking on some previous news. I totally remember the box art. I remember flashes of scenes, and I just can't remember much about it. Uh, so this is. I'm going to treat this as. Uh, one that I'm just going in blind. So this is going to be interesting. I, I have a vague recollection of this. I, I definitely remember the opening of the movie, which is a football game. And a guy like runs a kickoff back in the rain. And then mm. he gets to, he gets to the end zone and shoots himself. Yeah. I rem- that's, that's the type of thing I remember, but I have no, I, I don't recall how that it, it goes to the plot. And then it's something like Bruce Willis is a, is a security guy and there's some corporate nonsense of the ownership and, and backstabbiness and, and then like a helicopter at the, the, you know, Coliseum at the end or something. I, that's, I mean, vague splashes of, of recollection there. But I, I mean, I remember, I remember thinking at the time, you know, this is, this is John McClane and homie, the clown. What what the hell is this going to (laughs) be? And Halle Berry. Oh, is she in it? Yeah. Okay. And Dick, and Dick Buckus. Ah, oh, Dick Buckus, Chicago yeah, legend. Yeah. Adding some class to to the proceedings. So yeah, this will be good. Dick Buckus, I might have to find myself my my last Buckus cigar that I got up in Pittsburgh. We'll save that one for the next episode. <laughs> Those are good cigars, they'll knock you on your ass. So we will go off and watch The Last Boy Scout. Yeah, that's that, that's a, a quick pre-watch. <laughs> we don't have much remembering. <laughs> Neither of us know what the fuck we're doing. <laughs> Homie, don't play that. No. <laughs> I'm gonna need a light. If you touch me again, I'll kill you. Bumba, baby! And we're back. We have watched The Last Boy Scout. Initial thoughts there, Aaron? So this is one of those where I know I had seen it around the time it came out, but I really had no memory of it kind of thing. I, I just know I'd seen it just from recollection of the name. Interesting movie. Uh, it it gets off to a crazy start and kind of papers off, but uh, it, it's absolutely not what I expected. We kind of nailed the pre-watch though, as we mm-hmm. could, because we were, we called so little, all yeah. we remembered was the initial football scene and then helicopter stadium, something, something. Yeah. So we weren't wrong. No, <laughs> not in the least. Not so much that we were, we're right. It's just that we weren't wrong. Exactly. Which is the key to most success. <laughs> yeah. The, um, it was a very interesting movie. Something was off in it which I'm still struggling to put my finger on, uh, but 
but very enjoyable and, and uh you know love i love shane black you know he, everything he writes is always great this is actually our first action movie which occurred to me that's true yeah it's not horror it's not sci-fi there's funny elements but it's essentially a buddy cop movie yeah it's a pretty graphic buddy cop movie though i will tell you that uh, that that was one of the things that i uh, obviously didn't remember was the uh, the graphicness of it. Yeah, they, which, they get their ass beat. Yeah, it wasn't like torture porn type. Right? It was just, it was unexpected. It was a lot more than I assumed from like comparing it to say something like Tango and Cash or I don't know, <laughs> insert <laughs> other buddy cop movie. <laughs> he broke that nose? <laughs> <laughs> Apparently it was almost NC-17. Mm. The editing process was pretty wild because of because of a lot of testosterone on set. So everybody had their own ideas of how this whole thing should go. And the editing was a bit of a mess. In the end, they had to narrow down the, the violence because it would have got NC-17. Yeah, and this was back before they started doing like director's cuts regularly where they tone it down for a theatrical release and then to release like the Snyder cut, for lack of a better term. Uh, with all the with all the good bits for everybody on DVD, I'd love to see a Shane Black cut movie of this because it was not what he intended. There was a lot of changes by uh, the director and the and uh, I forget who the producer was, Joel Silver maybe I think it was Joel Silver, and I, I would have loved to see his full story vision come to life. So opening scene, we get a knockoff of "Are You Ready for Some Football?" with a, a really really cheesy. Friday yeah. night's a great night for football. Yeah, 80, good old 80s style title card in a Western font for some reason. That was a little odd. But yeah, get up, go Friday night. Uh, dance number, Carrie Underwood uh, obviously has some competition. Or she watched this to get her ideas. Because <laughs> it's, it's the one spot on. Or maybe channeling a little... Uh, uh, who was it that did it before Carrie Underwood? Oh, it was Hank Williams Jr. Thank you. Yeah, I I'm tip my tongue. <laughs> I wish they did football on Friday night. That'd be that's a good idea. They need to bring that make that happen. Yeah, that's more of a what Friday night's high school. That was the whole thing. Yeah. Friday's high school, Saturday's college, Sunday's pro, and Thursday and Monday, and because they keep running. Out. But yeah, then we get to the LA Coliseum and we get the legendary opening scene, which oh, is yeah. just crazy. Very dark. Not only uh thematically but aesthetically makes me think that the what was it the uh los angeles stallions uh can't afford the light bill because you couldn't see <laughs> anything down on that field uh let alone plus it was raining yeah you think they would have called that game yeah <laughs> at some point that that was they were hydroplaning I, mean, I, was... I have that on my notes is that this game should have been canceled a lot well before the reason it was actually canceled <laughs> but <laughs> Yeah, we get a, a star player, and I know they name him, but I, I don't remember the name. Um, um, he, I've got, I've got it. Uh, it's Billy Cole. Billy Cole. He takes some pills, gets a gets a call about a, a lack of touchdowns, and then they basically do telling him there's a lot of money on this game, and threatens that he's history if he doesn't score because he isn't putting up. Because he's the he's the white star receiver, right? Yeah, star wide receiver. As the owner of the stallion says, he's the, the last hero left in the game. But as he, he catches a pass, he pulls out a, 
a pistol out of his pants, which that must have been fun to run with in there. Yeah. Uh, shoots a couple of defenders, gets all the way to the end zone, and then shoots himself. That's just crazy. Burn Lundquist and Dick Butkus doing the live play-by-play. Oh, yeah, Dick Butkus. I forgot about that. <laughs> Did you recognize who Billy Cole was? Um, No, I'm not offhand. I don't have that, or I don't have that. It's Billy Blanks, the guy that went on to make Tybo. Oh, seriously? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Probably did not use that in the shark thing. But... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's that's a, a weird opener, and it's it's really barely it's barely referenced in the rest of the movie. Exactly. And it's it seems like it's completely out of place until you and this was one of my biggest things of until you understand what the whole plot concept is this is really out of place yeah and it, it seems and it, and in all honesty i think this is the only thing they ever showed in the trailers because it was just a you know grab them and make them watch it kind of scene i mean from a, a movie beginning it's 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 great i mean it's beautifully shot and it's it's wonderful but it then well not i mean not saying suicide is i'm saying like the the scene is great it's i think it's only referenced once in the entire movie after this mm-hmm yeah, it just it did not seem to tie in very well with uh, the rest of anything. Yeah, I mean, you think they would have had something about you know Billy Cole was was in on the fixes, trying to gain something, but no, yeah. no, I mean he wasn't anywhere involved. Yeah, I'm not even sure if they even name dropped him later, if the, or that they just referenced what happened. Yeah, I think at some point Bruce Willis just mentions uh, you got you got wide receivers high on PCP killing themselves, and that's it. Yeah, that was weird. Uh, next scene, we meet Bruce Willis, Joe Hollenbach, who is drunk in his car outside of his office. Bruce Willis with hair still doesn't look right. <laughs> Bruce Willis, who I, I had to look it up. He's, he, was, he was 36, I think, when he made this movie. Look, looking somewhere between 50 and 60, but with a little more hair. Mm-hmm. He, he looked rough, but his character was supposed to. But yeah, I mean, it works for the character. And yeah, and, and especially the way we get introduced to him, he's literally just asleep in a car. But <laughs> a bunch of kids throw a, <laughs> a, kid throw a dead a, squirrel on him. <laughs> and one of them tries, you know, one of them tries to take his watch, to which point Joe wakes up and immediately points his gun right at him. So that was a little intense. <laughs> yeah, nothing like pulling your gun on a bunch of kids. And, yeah. and I would assume it was loaded. Probably. When they, when they pan out a little bit too, you see the car is all parked up on the curb. <laughs> It's mm-hmm. all drunkenly parked. But he goes into his office and he gets a call from his buddy, uh, Mike, I think his name is, yeah. uh, saying he's got a got a job for him. And then they talk about uh, this the stripper that he's going to see and, and the finger scale. Now, did you recognize uh, the guy that played Mike? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Bruce McGill from uh, MacGyver fame. Well, he's, he's God from Quantum Leap. Also, yes. That's, that's always what I think about for him. Surprisingly, I think he's more famous for MacGyver, but yes, he was so good. He will always be Al from Al's Place for me. Yeah, we, we get some insight into Joe here as he goes to leave. He looks in his rearview mirror and he says, nobody likes you. Everybody hates <laughs> you. You're going to lose. Smile, you fuck. It's very poetic. I, I want that on a teacher. <laughs> this is a guy that's in a, a dark place. <laughs> From the get-go. Yeah. 
Yeah, Mike had, Mike tells them about this job. We get nothing else from that other than the job pays 500 bucks. He's like, all right, fine. And then uh, at that point, we uh, meet Dane and Wade as Jimmy Dix. Is it, is it Dix or Nix? I have Dix. I have Nix. <laughs> it is Dix, according to IMDb. They lie. Students. <laughs> So anyway, Jimmy X, <laughs> who's the former uh, football player uh, for the Los Angeles Stallions, as we find out later, we don't find this out now. He's sitting in a sitting, uh, smoking in a chair over a naked girl in his bed, uh, which is how I like to start every morning. And uh, runs over to the bathroom counter, dumps out a bunch of pills right as the girl wakes up. So uh, kind of writes the backstory of him being a little bit of a, uh, an addict there. Yeah. He's got a pill problem. He's, you know, obviously a philanderer with women and, and then he's, he, as he leaves the bedroom, there's, he's, it's actually the next morning from a large party, some mansion, and you got a football player sexually mm-hmm. assaulting a girl in a football, in a, in a hot tub. Literally. Yeah. Literally holding her underwater. Yeah. Uh, attempting forced fellatio. And he's, and he's just crack it, kind of cracking up about it. Like it's no big deal, which is. Yeah, that was horrible. He sells it very well as being just a creepy asshole. Yeah. True. True. Yeah. And then, uh, Jimmy throws a football at his nose, breaks his nose. And then we get the, you know, that's where we get the little bit about, he used to be best quarterback in the league. Mm-hmm. Best arm in, best arm in the league. Yeah. We don't know why we don't know the details. We just know that he used to be in the, in the league. Yeah, because they were even telling him he shouldn't even be in the house because it's a league party and he got kicked out. But we don't know. We don't hear anything else as to why. Yeah. Yeah. Then we uh, next we jump to Hollenbach's house where we get to meet uh, Mrs. Hollenbach. And then this is a hostile relationship if there ever was one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> between between uh, Sarah and uh, what we're about to find out. And the lovely drawing of Satan Claus that Hollenbeck's daughter has made for. Yeah, uh, Hollenbeck is the detective. He he deduces very quickly that uh, you know due to the soil, toilet seat is up, shower was steamed up, but her his wife's hair is dry. So he's like, "Who's in the closet?" He knows that someone's been there, and it's very it's a very tense scene literally, yeah he literally, literally pulls up this you know uh honey you're married to a detective i know what i'm talking about he literally walks through pulls his up uh the shower the shower steamed you're dry who is he kind of thing uh which of course sarah continuously denies uh and basically tries gaslighting into yeah. uh for him being psychotic and and uh off his rail yeah the uh the way he gets a guy out of the class, though, he cocks his gun, points at it, and says, "I'm going to fire." And like, count to three. Yeah, it was a. It was. It was actually. I, I like the way he did it. She, she's pretty much asking him, like, "Do you want me to open the door so you can see how stupid you are?" He's like, "No. I'm just going to count to five, and I'm going to shoot it." Well, the other gun aims <laughs> her right at the door, and he gets all the way down to one until before she finally jumps in front of it and stops it. And then Mike walks out of the closet. Yeah, that's uh, that, and you could you could see the just the the hurt. Yet he knew he knew. Yeah, yeah. But he did 
go there and not notice Mike's car outside. So just throwing that. That's true. There. But he was so, probably still drunk. So detective. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it a it's a tense scene, and then as he he actually walks Mike out to his car, chatting him up. Uh, they have a moment where he's like head or gut. Mm-hmm. You know, gets to choose, and so he hits him in the gut. Good punch. And then proceeds to ask him about the case. You know, what, what are the details? <laughs> yeah, just like it, like 500 bucks yeah, is 500 bucks. Oh, by the way, what about that job? <laughs> so then Mike walks over to his car and blows up. Yep, then he gets in and it explodes. Yeah, I did not see that coming. I was surprised by that one. That was that was my first clue that this is a crazy ass movie because we don't get we don't get any reason why it's no. it's not like we've seen what's why some somebody targeted Mike it just happened yeah and I actually of this whole movie I liked the detective story elements of the whole thing mm-hmm. piecing together what it's all about it it has a good story. Usually in those, though, when it's when it's the characters trying to piece together these types of stories, the uh, audience knows what's going on, and so they can sit there and kind of I don't know they're egging them on on how to figure it out or seeing how they figure it out. But in this case, the audience has the exact same knowledge that the protagonist does, mm-hmm. which just all of a sudden the guy that has been cheating or has your wife has been cheating on, who was your best friend just blew up in his car for no apparent reason. Yeah. So short of that phone call to the football player, we only know what Bruce Willis knows through pretty much the whole movie. Yeah. So that part was done rather well. Um, One thing it did definitely do, um, which we find out later is because he was the guy his wife was cheating on him with, it does kind of make him a prime suspect for the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because the scene follows up with uh, the police are there. The fire department's there, you know, cars blown up and you know, he got patched up because he got blown away as far as landing in the grass. And uh, he didn't tell the cops that he was there all night. And his wife is relieved at that. And my thought at the time was just, well, he's still trying to be a good guy and not blast to the world that his wife's cheating on him. Uh, it hadn't, it didn't even occur to me at the time that that would have put him as a prime suspect. I do have a note here that it's, and this is bad dialogue. I, and I, whenever I have bad dialogue in my notes, I don't think that was uh, Shane Black. I think that was part of rewrites because why would Sarah pick that time to start berating him for all his faults outside on the lawn when a dude just died and you've got all kinds of cops and fire department there? Yep. Yeah. yeah. Let, let's just, great time to berate into your husband about how, you know, he fails on every level. And also she was, uh, he mentions to her that he suspected for a while that she was, that Mike was the guy. Yeah. Uh, and she was getting mad at him for not saying anything about it. Yeah. They could have at least walked in the house to have that argument. It was just, why would you have that right at the front lawn? I, I that's, it was very weird to me. Yeah. It's very Jerry Springer. Like exposition. You must get it now. They don't like each other. If you hadn't noticed. That'll be Stu. <laughs> Speaking of subtly, next is the strip club. Yay! Boobs. <laughs> back, we're back with Jimmy drinking straight vodka to Alex the astronaut, which we get no explanation for. 
That's true. That yeah. comes to play later. Yeah, it's and it's good. I like it. But they just to Alex the astronaut. Uh, all I do is lose friends, drink, and nail anything with a heart. I also want that on a t-shirt. <laughs> Probably not the same t-shirt though, because I think those two would conflict. <laughs> well, you, you gotta you'd have to complete the t-shirt with this weird ass hat with a tassel on it. <laughs> that was so distracting. What the hell was he wearing on his head? It's just so weird. I mean, fezes are cool. Everyone knows that, but it wasn't yes. quite quite a fez. I don't know. It was weird. It was just odd. Yeah. This because this wasn't supposed to be. This was what ninety six, ninety one. This wasn't supposed to be future in the future. This was supposed to be set in ninety one, right? I think this was supposed to be like Lethal Weapon two, and then you know, studios, etc. Because mm-hmm. Bruce, uh, Bruce Willis was coming, was just coming off uh, Die Hard, Die- so so he's at the the height of his uh, his career there. Climb at least, yeah. Well, climb, yeah. That's a better way to put it. And Damon Wayans, he was actually uh, at a at a height too. I mean, he was doing doing great. Uh, I'll say, like I said earlier, a lot of testosterone. Every single person involved was at a, a very high point in their career, from Tony Scott, you know, and and all of them. Mm-hmm. But it's at the strip club uh, after some bad dialogue and gay jokes is where we get Halle Young, very young Halle Berry. Yes. Yeah, she is waiting tables at the time, and we find out that she is Damon Wayans ex slash current. Current. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and her name is Corey, or at least her stated name is Corey. So Joe. Joe ends up walking into the strip club or she, he's a, she sees him sitting down a table away. And uh, again, this interaction, I did not understand it at all. Because at this point, we don't know who Corey is other than she is a waitress and or dancer at this club and that she knows Jimmy Dix. That's all we know about her. Well, well she knows these, the, he, she's the, the target of this particular case he's on because her picture was on the stripper calling card that uh mike gave him oh i'm but i actually must have missed that okay it was real brief it was just her like you know kind of in a, in a stripper outfit so it, it's something that's easily missed to where yeah. if you didn't see that you might not know that she's the reason he's there and not dicks or any or if he's just unwinding in a strip club kind of thing and it's a random happenstance he's actually there because she's the job yeah, uh, yeah, and it, which makes a little more sense when she basically walks over, gives him the drink, and or gives him a drink, and she's like, uh, "Should I pay you now?" Yeah, it's an innuendo there when you don't really yeah. know what's going on. Yeah, it's kind of weird. But then it, once she gets called to the stage, then that's when Jimmy goes over to talk to Joe and has to play the tough guy. But he gets put in his place. Yeah. So we find out Corey obviously like does not like cops, uh, which I guess Joe was a former cop. Well, well, we don't really know what he's a former of at this point. We just know he's he's a PI and does does yeah, things I'm, at this level. I'm fairly certain we, he was a former cop because well, he's a he's a former Secret Service agent. That we do know. Yeah, he has a good line here though when he's trying to diffuse things with Jimmy. He's like, "Water is wet, sky is blue. Women have secrets." Who gives a fuck? You want a beer? <laughs> yeah. But then once uh, Jimmy gets put in his place, then he pulls Halle Berry off the stage and they go into a back room. 
and they just have a conversation just kind of she she oh she gives him the line of do you want to get back in the league when they're back there yeah and she also and she finally explains to him that she uh hired mike for protection and then uh obviously joe was there taking it taking it over now she doesn't know that mike's gone but i'm assuming she knew mike was going to farm it out so she was also explaining to jimmy who uh joe was yeah and while that's going on you got joe who's out in front of the strip joint waiting for them and or waiting for her to be more specific and a bunch of thugs knock him out pull him to a back alley yeah again no concept of why this is happening Mm -mm. it just kind of comes out of nowhere uh, although you get the hint that obviously it has something to do with Corey. They're either trying to get to Corey uh, or they're trying to get to anybody associated with Corey kind of thing. While he's waiting, though, he does look up at a billboard, which drops a, a small clue as far as uh, he's looking at a, a picture of a senator who will always be Harris from Major League for me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, but he has a quick flashback to we see him as a Secret Service agent with a full head of hair and uh, he hears a girl screaming and he's walking towards the door and that's the end of the flashback. Yeah, it's, so it's, it's, it's literally, quick. it looks like that's him and another, another guy standing outside of a door listening to a, a girl scream. Yeah. And you know, it's kind of something that this politician is, is doing. It's a known thing and the secret service agents are just supposed to let it ride. Mm-hmm. But it, yeah, that was our first glimpse into Joe's past. We get a couple more of those as the story goes on. But yeah, we get to piece it together. Pepper him in pretty well. Yeah. Then uh, some random thug takes Joe to the back alley and Joe gets out of it with some terrible mama jokes about the killer's Ooh. wife. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because that's realistic. Yeah, he basically, the whole time he's just insulting the guy and uh, finally goads him into letting him tell a bunch of jokes. And so he ends up continuously telling him the jokes, making the guy laugh, distracting him, and then knocking him out. It's kind of a setup for later on when they're in the woods, but as far as that's just how he deals with these situations. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was a kind of a bit unrealistic. Uh, but yeah, so he gets out of that situation, stabs the guy with a broken bottle, gets out of there and uh, gets back out to the, to the main drag. Uh, because Halle Berry and uh, Jimmy are driving away, and then car runs them off the road. They're yeah, they're driving away in separate cars though. She's yeah. in her car, he's in his car, following her, uh, and then Joe is behind them. Uh, car car rams into her, uh, faking a like a traffic accident. She got she pulls through the light. Jimmy gets stuck at the light as they pull over, and she gets out like, "What the hell? Why'd you run into me?" And then Halle Berry goes out in a hail of gunfire. Uh, all the guns came out. Yeah, I wasn't expecting that either. I, I expected uh, Halle Berry to be the you know, perpetual damsel in distress, but... Yeah, they are dropping main characters like flies in this movie. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, Joe comes running up, John Woo style, like slow motion, guns blazing. <laughs> it, it, was, it was just a you, straight, straight John Woo style. <laughs> Were there any dubs? <laughs> that was all it was missing yeah. and I, my, I have a note here the bad dialogue aside the action movies in this movie are great yeah they are they're, they're a lot of fun yeah as i say jimmy ended up crushing one of the guys with the with the car he was in by running running him into the wall uh and then the guy 
uh, the guy that is stuck there between the car and the wall is shooting through the windshield, trying to, yeah. hit, trying to hit Jimmy. So he's literally sitting there with his hit, put on the gas, leaned over on the bench seat, uh, trying to dodge bullets. Damon Wayans and Bruce Willis kill all the bad guys. And then Damon Wayans is crying over Halle Berry. Destruction everywhere on that particular street corner. So next up, we end up at the police station after all that destruction. And we get a, a scene of, of dialogue with Bruce Willis and Damon Wayans talking about his leather pants. Yeah, asking him why they're so expensive. I mean, six hundred fifty dollars pants back in nineteen ninety one. That's uh, damn expensive. Yeah, it's a nice way of showing that even though he had a short career, he's living large off the money he made. Yeah, we also get a uh, uh, a hint as to what Joe's former job was and why he's so revered. Because at the time, with the flashback that we got. We just, we just know that he was guarding somebody. He could have been private security. We didn't know that it was the guy was a senator at the time, so we didn't know that he was automatically Secret Service doing that. But we find out, uh, you know, that Joe break because he saved the president's life. And that's all we get at this point. Yeah, I have a note here that flashback Bruce Willis looks like Forrest Gump. <laughs> yeah, we get, a, we get some hints that the, the, the cops, at least the lieutenant, really has a dislike for Joe which isn't really explained, but he's definitely just got it out for him. There's no trust there at all. Yeah, uh, even brings up complaints that he's been getting from the Bel Air PD for, this, for that senator, which they don't measure by name, but we, we can infer that it's the uh, senator from the billboard that's getting a bunch of seen phone calls, and then he hopes <laughs> those calls are not coming from Joe. This seems very petty for that character, but it's still funny. Petty to bring it up? No, just petty, petty that Joe would do that. I want to know what's on those phone calls. Right. So they, as they leave the police station, they're, they're trying to decide what their next step is. And Bruce Willis decides to let Damon Wayans come along with him. He's going to go check out Halle Berry's apartment. And we get a good line from Damon Wayans. Stripper could have had plenty of rich guys, but she loved me. They get in there. The apartment's trashed. They were looking for something, which alludes back to she can get, she can get him back in the league. I particularly like the, uh, uh, Part when they're when they're going in, uh, Jimmy basically tells Joe that he won't need a key to get in. So when he gets there, uh, he says he doesn't need a key because he can circumvent the security, and his circumvention is just kicking the door. <laughs> what circumvented the security? It, it worked. Yeah, I mean so he's not wrong. It, even though apparently they hated each other on set, I did like the chemistry between Bruce Willis and David Wayans. I think the fact that they hated each other added to their dynamic. Mm -hmm. We get a, a weird moment of you know, Jimmy just sitting there look reminiscing about Halle Berry. And I say it's awkward is because when we first met Jimmy, he was banging another girl. And and then he tells the bartender at the strip club that he bangs everything he sees, but, but he's now, you know, lo love lost for Halle Berry. It, it just it, pick one, I guess. Yeah, it's a little odd. So Jimmy finds a, a cassette tape and some pictures that uh, Halle Berry was obviously using for blackmail. They get into Joe's car and they try to play the tape. Mm -hmm. And this is where we finally get some more information about what the hell is going on and who's involved. And you get the owner of the Stallions and that senator having a conversation. But we don't get to know too much about that conversation because... Jimmy, for some reason, wants to fast forward like an idiot. 
And before before Joe can stop him and warn him that his cassette player cassette player is broken and fast forward eats tapes, uh, he hits it and it starts eating the tape. Cassette player in a car. <laughs> Takes me back, man. Yeah. <laughs> that on top of all the smoking in the movie. There's definitely a few things that dated. So then Jimmy decides to take Corey's car home since uh he rode with Joe. And then Joe comes to realization that Corey has two cars and stops him before it blows up itself. They get a nice clean block of C4 that they don't know what to do with. So they actually put it in the trunk. Well, to take a step back, as they're arguing what to do with this block of C4, we get two more random thugs walk up to them uh, who like to talk a lot. Yeah. It's it's weird how just people are just randomly going after him, and you can tell he doesn't know what's going on, but he's just piecing together that it's has obviously has to do with what's happening. But it kind of comes out came out of left field for him. Like his first friend got blown up in outside of his house. The girl that was his job got gets executed, gunned down on the street. He gets hit in a, with a pipe and almost executed. And now these more guys are coming up. So, so they think he know he knows, or they think he knows, or it, but it has to do with her. Uh, but as they walk, yeah, as they walk up, he throws the gun, he throws the C4 into the trunk. Well, he, he actually swooshes it so that when the, the trunk closes, it'll, it, it swooshes it as well. So he's just kind of setting up the, uh, the two thugs and you got one brute and one who's Mr. Vocabulary. Interesting character trait on that guy he's just got a, a massive vocabulary and keeps yeah he, he definitely a guy you want to punch in the face mm-hmm. so after some back and forth uh they ask where the where the tape is and he says it's in the trunk finally uh and they throw the keys off into the weeds mm-hmm. so the so the thugs shoot the trunk and explode the c4 jimmy and joe go flying into the ditch and uh i, I like that they're they're two very separate reactions uh, you got Jimmy who yells out, shit, we're alive, with a big smile. And then you have Joe going, yeah, hooray. <laughs> All sullenly. I just feel so bad for Joe, this whole movie. <laughs> Joe basically tells Jimmy to leave, that he'll handle the police, because I'm assuming the police are going to be called again. Mm-hmm. Lieutenant again tells him to stay out of the police business, while another one shakes his hand for saving the president. So you can tell the the guy, the lieutenant, it was kind of the outlier. Everybody else seems to seem to like it. I wish we had something on why that lieutenant hates him so much. We never really get an explanation on that. We, we didn't get a drop on that one. We do. We learn that Joe's middle name is Cornelius. You ever watch Soul Train? And Jimmy's is apparently Danger. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The uh, the LT lays into Joe, gives him the right act. <laughs> I have a note here. At no time in this movie, after he leaves his house in the beginning, does Joe seek medical attention. He just keeps getting the shit kicked out of him. Yeah, he doesn't care. It's it's I, it's kind of a mix between you think he has a death wish or you think he's just too stubborn to die. Like, he doesn't think it's he's going to die. I'll, I think he's given up. I mean, at this point, his, I mean, his wife hates him. His daughter hates him. Uh, his 
you know, his job, his, his wife was banging his best friend. I, I think he's a defeated man at this point. Mm-hmm. He's just going on instinct. So then Jimmy meets Joe outside the police station and they do, uh, I don't know where they're going other than just to Joe's house, but it gives Damon yep. Wayans a chance in the car to act all Wayansy. Gives a little Prince imitation. Mm-hmm. Starts messing with, uh, Joe about, uh, dating his daughter, which of course he doesn't know how old the daughter is. Uh, at this point, yeah. <laughs> Which, for the record, she is thirteen in the movie. Apparently, she, the the girl that plays the daughter goes on to be a screen queen in a couple of Halloween. She, movies. Uh, yeah, Danielle Harris from the Halloween movies. She was in the original Halloweens, and she was also in the Rob Zombie Halloween. Oh, okay. Well, what the hell is up with that puppet? Yeah, again, what kind of thirteen-year-old girl weirdly talks through a puppet? I mean it. Works out later, but I have a feeling that they only included it because of. I mean, maybe that sounded better on paper, but that was just really weird. I mean, this is quite the fucked up family. The the dialogue and just the conversations between his daughter and Joe, and for some reason he wants to, you know, this random random crazy talk about ice creams and and fuck ups. It's just it's it's a very odd scene. And then Jimmy wants to give Joe parenting advice even though you know jimmy met joe just hours earlier yeah jimmy should have stayed on the sidelines of that one yeah probably but jimmy does open up about who alex is mm-hmm. he tells yeah he tells to alex the accountant this time yeah and and joe asks him why uh, we learned that alex was his son and that he used to be married mm-hmm. his wife was killed in a car accident uh, she was pregnant at the time uh, and Alex lived for 17 minutes in an incubator. So very sad. So it, it throws some light on the whole toasting to Alex. It's another a weird point, though, in the continuity of it all. Because when he eventually leaves the house after Joe kicks him out for doing drugs in his bathroom, uh, mm-hmm. the daughter's outside. And the daughter says how her dad was his biggest fan. You know, Loved everything yeah. about him. But if Jimmy was such a great NFL prodigy. How, how did the death of his wife and kid not even make the news and not be known to the local town? At least now that, that, that seems like something that his biggest fan would. Yeah. Know. Cause we, we, yeah, we find out that he didn't, uh, he only stopped cause this happened while he was still a player and Joe only stopped paying attention to football when he got picked out. Yeah. Yeah. This should have, this probably wasn't the news. It may have just been something he forgot. Or, or they they may not have uh, named his son, so he didn't know the name Alex. Yeah, it just it seems like that's a, a bit of a, a missing thing. I, I, all he had to do was say we kept it out of the news, sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it was just just weird. This was back in the '90s when people didn't question movie plot points. This is true. We found out. We also find out that Jimmy had one of the best games of uh, the game of his life that day that his wife was killed for 300 yards did they say how many years he played at all um if they did i don't have that it's curious Uh, so but but they part ways jimmy leaves and uh the next day uh jimmy's out at a in a payphone another thing to date the movie (laughs) and uh he gets thrown off an overpass by chibs from sons of anarchy (laughs) yeah Or no, it wasn't Chibs. It was, it was Kim Coates, wasn't it? That's Chibs, yeah. No, 
He's not. Chibs is the Irish dude with the with the cuts on his face. Ah, oh, who's 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 his um, name? I, uh, I actually can't remember his character's name. Um, but he was he was like the the bisexual guy. Uh, uh, it's Tig. That's what Tig. his name was. That's it. That's it. Tig Chib. Yeah. Ah, they rhyme. Yeah, we give you that. To uh, to quote Cinema Sins, he he sur- he survives this. As he and he, he tries playing it off in front of everybody that literally just saw him fall off of an overpass and land on a car. Yeah, it is definitely. Go try this in a little boat. There's me and there's Super Dave, and the pet. So the, the Super Dave reference also dates the movie. Remember? Oh, remember yeah, Super that would. <laughs> Super Dave on board. That's right, man. <laughs> so that that reference didn't age as well, but I digress. It's still it's kind of a funny scene. Not of him just, at, you know, playing the whole uh, acting super tough athlete stereotype. Um, no, I'm good. So then we get a scene back at the police station now where they they realize that the best friend's car was parked outside all night. So Joe is now the prime suspect for killing Mike at the beginning of the movie. Mm-hmm. Police LT is all angry. It's, I had the son of a bitch right here. Yeah. So this goes back into, uh, obviously they found out. So now it goes back to him being the, the actual prime suspect, which, yeah, obviously. Which doesn't really come back again uh, too much. No. We jump forward to the next day. Uh, and Joe's sitting there watching his daughter sleep, which is a uh, a nice change from the uh, the back and forth they were having earlier when she was yelling at him for not letting her go out on a date. Yeah, he's kind of having that moment where he's saying goodbye to his wife and kid. He gets a knock at the door, uh, opens it up, and immediately gets tased. He's shot with an electric stick and kidnapped. <laughs> yeah, this is where we first meet Milo, briefly. Ah, uh, Milo. Hello, Joseph. Milo's probably my favorite character in this movie. Yeah, Taylor Duggar does a great job in that role. Mm-hmm. The cop that, that the LT was talking to earlier is actually visiting, goes goes to talk to, to Joe and the wife and find out about that car I was out front. And mm-hmm. it, he randomly gets shot by Milo's crew with Joe's gun in order to frame him. And that is never brought up again. <laughs> no. Yeah, it was, I mean, it's a brutal scene. Absolutely brutal, the way they shoot that cop. Yeah. And then you, know, you just shot one of Los Angeles' finest, Joe. Mm-hmm. You just hit and then uh, throws the gun out. Then we get one of the best scenes in the movie. This one's great. The the pool house. Right before that, though, is when we get another flashback of Joe sitting the president. We actually get on a, a full-on look at it. Yeah, with that horribly ugly Jimmy Carter impersonator. Mm. <laughs> Something else dating the movie. Man, there's a lot of those. So, yeah, we have that slow-motion flashback of the assassination attempt. Uh, and then kind of zooms into a daughter or a drawing that his daughter made of him in front of the American flags. A little creepy looking there. Oh yeah, this is yeah, this is his like tased dream. Yeah. That's right. As he's knocked out. Yeah, but then we get that that great great scene where he he kills uh Tig, who is really into just being say you mentioned torture porn earlier. He just wants to beat him down and, and tease him with cigarettes. Yeah. And uh, Bruce Willis says, touch me again, and I'll kill you. And he absolutely does. Yep. And Joe 
Friggin' run, runs a, a hair fish straight into his nose, takes him right out. Meanwhile, like Milo's in the back behind him, just like, ah, son of he's not free. He's not crazy about it, but obviously Milo is used to this type of stuff or saw it coming and doesn't really care. I love Milo's kind of demeanor. I mean, he's, mm-hmm. he's ruthless, but he's super polite and academic. Uses mm-hmm. only full first names. Joseph, he's a, James. He's a professional. Yeah. He's a professional. Leaves nothing to chance. He's just kind of uh, a, a good go-to thug. He, he, he's, he's the role model version of a villain. I can see why uh, Bud picked him on our top villains episode. Yeah. You know, that was, that was uh, a good villain. I definitely like him. Uh, but we also get uh, some great exposition and we find out who the, the real villain in all this is, who's calling the shots, which is Shelly Marco, the owner of the Stallions. Uh, who's, I, he is just, uh, I'm, I want to say they wrote him to uh, look like the old Dallas Cowboys coach. Yeah, he's definitely Jimmy Wait. Jones. Yeah. Jimmy Joe is Jimmy Johnson. Jimmy Johnson. Oh, he's Jimmy Jones. Remember. Jimmy. Just Jimmy. We're going to get hit. Hopefully, we don't have any Dallas Cowboys fans. Yeah, we <laughs> might. Give a shit. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, but with the Southern draw and everything, they were, they were definitely going for, for him. Yeah, the Cowboy had everything. He comes in and just starts swimming. You know, a guy just died uh, in your pool by the guy that you just kidnapped, and you're just nonchalantly swimming in a bright red, bright red suit. With just, I think at this point it's just Milo's down there protecting. Now there is one other random there's guy. One other guy. There. Yeah, there's a random guy in there. But now that we're an hour in, we get the actual full plot, which is the legalizing of sports gambling by bribing politicians, hence the senator. And yeah. they're at the point now where they have to, you know, kill people who won't take the bribe, and that's the only way to save NFL. Yeah, and that's the side. He he starts. He starts going into a spiel about how ticket sales are declining and that if it continues on that the the leagues gonna fold and everybody's gonna go under and get legalized gambling is gonna be able to save them by being able to get into it. They're basically they tried bribing this particular senator, who happens to be the same senator uh that Joe used to work for. Uh and apparently he declined. So now they're at the point where well they have to take him out or or blackmailing or something uh we find out that the uh, the whole tie-in with Corey is that Corey made that recording uh of them of the coach talking to these guys more as leverage against the coach so she could get jimmy back on the team yeah uh whereas the uh yeah the coach then took it uh as obviously uh it's uh about something Corey had no idea of but it was still Potential average, so they take Corey out, and then anybody who was set to protect or protect her. So it's it's really it's kind of convoluted. It seems like a lot just to get gambling. Yeah, uh, but but it it makes sense when you when they throw the dollar amounts on there. I yeah, mean, you're talking it does, it, billions of dollars in 1991. It's you. I'll definitely give it. It's unique. It's not your typical. It's not, it's not your normal, like, uh, uh, run-of-the-mill bad guy scenario in a movie. It's unique to this movie. It's, been, it's literally about writing senators for sports betting. 
Yeah, I mean the the head villain is not just some crazed insane lunatic. It's it's an mm-hmm. actual business reason this is all being done. It's a business. It's a businessman who is hired insane yeah. lunatics to do dirty work. Exactly the way the way it should be done. Yeah, you outsource that the American way. You just get three quotes. <laughs> Put out an RFP. Never heard that before. <laughs> Uh, so then we get a scene at the police station now. Yeah, well, Joe is in the custody of of the bad guys. So now we cut to the police station. Jimmy's in an interrogation after his fall, and he's trying to tell them that, hey, the senator is uh, part of this. Joe's wife is also brought in for questioning. She doesn't know anything about the senator. He's trying his damnedest to say, yeah, shit's going down, and you guys are worried about the wrong stuff. But he has he doesn't have all the information that the viewers have. Mm-hmm. Jimmy and the daughter have a, a moment together and he, and he says, well, I'll, I'll find your dad or, or something. Yeah. And uh, Jimmy gets on the phone and, and <laughs> I have the note Jimmy's on the phone talking to a whole lot of women. <laughs> <laughs> and he basically, she is somebody from the head office at his over team. He's basically trying to have her look into the ticketing system to get the Senator's address. Yeah, that's right. And this is when Joe's daughter. He promised her that he's going to find, uh, he's going to find her dad. When in doubt, try the nearest bad guy. I like that one. Yeah, that's a good one. That's that's three t-shirts right there. We should <laughs> we should start licensing these. Yeah, I'm sure no one will come after us. No, it's not like anybody listening anyway. Yeah, this is true. Yeah. Next thing we get to uh, the senator's house, where we get to meet the senator in person who is as slimy and stereotypically corrupt as, as any you know, U.S. senator would be. Yeah. Pretty on point. <laughs> we learned that the uh, it, it wasn't so much that the senator's the good guy and doesn't want to take the bribe. It's that he wanted to get more money. It's all about more money. He, he, threw, the, he threw the bribe back and said it wasn't enough. He wanted $6 million, which, again, $1991. Uh, the river with the coast decided it, it's cheaper to kill him than uh, to pay him. They should have just paid him. They, they could add bill, billions without the body count. That would have been a really short movie. He would have taken him, Joe would have taken the job. Uh, they would have, uh, he would have guarded her for about a week. Nothing would have happened. And then he would have gone back home. Maybe Jimmy would have gotten back in the league. Everybody would have been happy. Yeah. Except Mike. Mike would have had a rough time. Well, Mike still be alive. Yeah, but he, he was caught. Yeah. So uh, now we find out that the daughter had actually stowed away in Jimmy's car. And the, this daughter's crazy. She she pulls out a, a freaking pistol. And she's just, she's pointing at Jimmy's face. I mean, just, this girl's nuts. Yep. That daughter, I don't know, what the hell? Yeah, it's a little weird. But as they, uh, then we cut to the woods, which is uh, a very big scene. The the wood sets up the you know the final you know stretch of the movie here, where what they're trying to do is set up a photo shoot of Jimmy giving someone a briefcase of money, and they're taking this picture, uh, and they're giving the briefcase uh, to one of the senator's bodyguards, and that the briefcase he gives them is actually full of C four rather than money, because the bodyguards are idiots, I guess. Yeah, I don't. Did they even check the briefcase? Yeah, I don't uh, remember. I, I honestly don't remember how the things got mixed up. 
but uh, the, the intent was they're going to they gonna take out the senator uh, and they were going to do so uh, with the C4, weren't they? Well, they, they wanted the senator to open up that because the, the briefcase was rigged. So whoever opened it, it was going to explode. So, yeah. And then they, they would wanted have the senator to open it, thinking it with repair. Exactly. And they'd have a picture of Joe handing him, handing the bodyguard the money. So Joe, who had been... Who, who was already linked to the senator. Yeah, exactly. You know, they had, they have bad blood. Yeah. So he had, it was, it was a good setup, a good setup concept. They, yeah. They had the right guy. Uh, but then Jimmy is, is caught spying. So now you've got a gathering of, well, once the photo shoot goes down, that's when Jimmy gets caught spying. So now you've got a gathering. You got Joe, you got Jimmy, Milo, and a whole bunch of thugs all in a clearing in the woods. And in comes the daughter. Yeah, this was this was so out of place. It was ridiculous. It, I mean, it it reminded me of like her from the Halloween movies, where she's just creepy. Oh, she, she was acting very creepy. But she's like uh, panting like a dog and insane, yeah. you know, and barking and stuff. It's, just, it's just so weird. But it it works out in the end as far as setup because she. Uh, she walks up and she gives that little stuffed doll again. Yeah, she's got the stuff, the the furry Tom, like she calls him, gives it mm. to her dad, and the gun is hidden inside. The gun she was waving around yeah. a minute ago. She she's basically she's faking that she doesn't know either of them. Yeah. She just calling him Mr. and whatnot. It's like here, here, Mr. She she's she's acting I mean, she's acting crazy on purpose to throw him off kind of thing. Yeah. Handing the gun. He finally realizes what she's doing. Yeah, so then he does his joking thing again, starts telling jokes through the doll. Yeah. And then finally starts shooting the guys. Big big shootout, and Damon Wayans joins in. Milo had already walked off, I think, by this point, so he wasn't involved in said said shootout. Uh, but all the thugs die. They get, well, not all of them. They're still firing on them, but they get away, and they, and they get into Jimmy's car. Yeah. Pontiac Sunberg goes off the cliff. They all survive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was an interesting uh, little chase there. Yeah, Milo's car lands in the pool of fucking Rick Ducommon yeah. from the birds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, crashed into a gazebo and into the pool. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It ran, it ran off the cliff over somebody's roof and then up into the pool. Yeah, so and that was Milo's car, which yeah, had there. which had the money in it. So yeah. they and then Bruce Willis shoots the car some more to make sure Milo's dead. Gets the briefcase out of the car, and then tells Rick Ducommon to to call the police. And he's hey, give me your car, and he says no. So he grabs his daughter, puts the his gun daughter. to her head, give me the keys, or I shoot the kid. Yeah. <laughs> Jimmy's just looking at him like, what the fuck is wrong with you? I mean, it works. It does. It does. Yeah. Poor Rick Ducommon. They leave the daughter with him and uh, go out. Uh, take the keys and go after him. And then the, do- the daughter's basically describe- telling him what to say to the cops when he's calling the cops. And poor Rick Ducommon survives just long enough to get a call to the police. Because Milo's not dead. Nope. So now, uh, so now Milo has the daughter. And now we get a race to the Coliseum. So they're, yeah, they're driving, uh, trying, to, trying to catch up to the guy as soon as I could. Pull up next to him. I'll roll the window down and yell at him. So <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're trying. It's it's kind of a they're they're also channeling a little bit of the the speed movie where he's trying to draw a picture of a bomb on a piece of paper. 
<laughs> up there and it's like, what the hell is, the hell is that? It looks like an apple. It's an interesting choice to that Jimmy can't draw or spell. Yeah. Because he, he then writes bomb, B-L-M, <laughs> and writes it up there, to which the security guards, who are apparently Polish, uh, start shooting at him. Uh, and then uh, uh, Joe explains that bomb means fuck you in Polish. So it's all, it almost sounds like he set him up for that. Which is kind of a dick move, but... Yeah, I mean, and the whole thing, but the, that means it in Polish, you know, we, that's... We had... There was no setup to that. Yeah, there was no setup that, that that the guys were Polish or something. So it's <laughs> it's really this weird. Is, this is where we get the line, though, if I survive this shit, I'm going to dance a jig. Yeah. Which, thank God, they at least gave us that setup because uh, it would have been really weird. All right, so Joe then shoots the tires out of the limo, uh, gets the explosives and some shredder bullets. Yeah. It's like a, like, like a video game. Hey, I got everything right here. Of course. That's an ammo, ammo spot. Yeah. <laughs> Is this where they get a call from Milo? Yeah. So uh, Milo drives by with the daughter in the car, calls him on the cell phone or on the car phone, not cell phone, but car phone uh, of the car they just <laughs> got out. He tells him that he, that he needs to back off because he has the daughter. Uh, and then that's where they grab all the, the shotgun and the shredder rounds from that, uh, as well as the suitcase with the C4 uh, and head to the stadium. And Joe finds out that Milo has the daughter. They get to they get to the stadium. Uh, Joe bout Jimmy keys the keys the car. He's like, I always wanted to do that. <laughs> well, they parked in Shelly Marcone's spot, but yeah, he was already there and parked next to his spot for yeah. some, some reason. I don't know, maybe the signs were misplaced, but good parking. Uh, but when they, they they go in there and they get into the the player tunnel, and that's where a nice callback to the the player that Jimmy broke his nose at the beginning. Yep. They're basically going through. They he, they grabbed hats and coats to try to look incognito, but they run into this. I'm assuming linebacker from Bill uh, or lineman. Yeah, uh, that too. recognizes Jimmy, grabs him, and throws him against the against the wall. So Jimmy pulls a shotgun on him. Yep. <laughs> ended that conversation rather quickly oh yeah but that's again good setup for the next time we see that that football player kind of mm-hmm. but they make their way to Marcone's office Milo's there with the daughter well I think that the daughter is there Milo is not Milo's right. off getting into a, a place of illumination or however you worded it yes highly illuminated position I think he said because nobody under uh, nobody could figure that one out. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, we get to see some Marcone be be quite vicious here, though. You know, being creepy with the daughter number one, but then he, he sh- puts Jimmy's hand on the table and shoots it. That's as this this goes back to saying how violent the movie is. They they show it. It was rough. Yeah. Life is pain, son. Because he 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 also monologues a, a bit about what happened to Jimmy. Uh, yeah, because this yeah. or like how he uh, after his wife fought, he basically got hooked on Demerol. Yep. Uh, or not, it wasn't after his wife; it was it was injuries from the game that got him hooked on Demerol, and that's how he ended up being an addict and getting kicked out. It's a nice bit of dialogue, though, as far as Joe quick thinking on his feet, because we get the mention of the blackmail tape again, and them claiming that they have it, and. If something happens to them, it doesn't go to the police, it goes to the mob, which I thought was a nice 
a nice bluff because mm-hmm. it because that was at that point it wasn't something I thought about. But yeah, if the if sports gambling to that level is legalized, then the mob would stand to lose tons of money. So it was a very good bluff. You can't really tell if Joe and Jimmy are on the same wavelength in there. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's done well because they're they're both internally panicking. What what are they going to do? How are they going to get out of this? Uh, Joe has his method. Jimmy has his method. It works out in the end, but it's it's nice that they're. I think it shows their their internal panic well. Yeah, because uh, Jimmy says that he's got the. I think he's got the tape. Yeah, he's got the. Well, he's got the six million dollars. Uh, yeah, he's got the money. The money. Uh, the that's tape, right. The, the tape's money. locked up, but he's got the money uh, in the white BMW, which is the car that they. Route. So yeah, it's the white BMW parked in your spot. It, he throws the. Uh, he says he's got the key in his pants, and then. Well, Jimmy stops him. Uh, Ad libs it basically punches Joe and says says that Joe doesn't have the tape that it's in the locker, and then Jimmy's got the key. Yeah. So it's one of those things where you, you start to think uh, Joe or Jimmy uh, is trying to throw Joe under the bus, but it was one of those, I, I just had an idea and I need to act fast kind of things. And, and that's what I'm saying. It was hard to tell if they were on the same wavelength. And I think that adds to that. Up until he said that the tape, yeah, up until he said, when he, uh, when he said Joe doesn't have the, the tape, you're like, what did you just do? Yeah. And, and then he's like, turn the, tape, the tape's in the locker and I've got the key. It's like, uh, I think I know what's happening. So he pulls out the key, air quotes, and says, I got the key. And he tosses it in the fire. He says, it's, it's one of those new plastic keys, the kind that shreds. To which Joe yells, uh, they realize that it's, the sh- it's one of the shredder bolts and uh, or shredder rounds. Yells at his daughter to, to get down. And then they both duck and the thing just explodes. Fire and chaos and bullets and people are burning alive. Pretty human sacrifices, dogs yeah. and cats living together. Yeah, people in fire. <laughs> Who would want to wear it on fire suit? <laughs> uh, Marcone gets away, and you see him running towards the parking lot. <laughs> Sees the briefcase and the BMW, shoots the window in full public view. Yeah, and grabs it. <laughs> so it, it, it literally the <laughs> owner of the team, who is highly recognizable, just shot a gun in the parking lot. Yeah, it's it's early nineties LA. You know, it's, yeah. <laughs> Fair point. <laughs> and now they need to stop Milo from shooting the center. They gotta find a way. So Joe's gonna try to get up into the lights and Jimmy goes onto the field. They tell the daughter to go find a cop. Which I wonder what the hell she's gonna tell the cop. <laughs> to make her believe any of that. Yeah. Yes, this is good as mine. Joe makes his way up into the lights and Milo's got a Fully automatic sniper rifle. <laughs> the rifle made me laugh. <laughs> Jimmy goes down to the field, steals the stallion, the mascot, goes riding down the field, and the lineman sees him. And for some reason, the lineman is surrounded by cops. It says, There he is. So I guess the lineman was doing that the whole time with cops yeah. trying to find him. Probably, I, yeah, he must have gone and tried to find, uh, telling security about him after he got his shotgun pulled. Jimmy gets the football from the quarterback and uh, throws it at the senator. And I got to say, the bullet hitting the football is the dumbest thing in this entire movie. That's everything from, from you know, trophy to poor physics to just everything. That, that was kind of dumb. I would have rather have seen him hit the senator. The senator goes down, and then the bullets fly over him. Mm-hmm. 
I think that would have been much better. But to have the, the football explode was, was just stupid. That's my opinion. But the fight in the lights is good. Yeah. That's brutal and raw. Yeah, that one I like. Milo has one of the best action death scenes to me in front that I've seen. That was that was pretty pretty awesome. He he has a fight with Joe up in the rafters, and um, then there's a, a police helicopter. Once Joe gets uh, away from Milo, as far as because I think Milo stabs him in the leg, punches, mm-hmm. and then gets away from him a little bit. The police helicopter lights up Milo with all kinds of bullets, falls off the rafters, and lands on the. Uh, Helicopter, the other helicopter blades. I guess there's two helicopters. Law on live TV in front of thirty thousand people. What a way to go! And then Joe dances a jig. Yeah, so yeah, silence falls and everybody's looking up in the lights and, and there's and there's Jimmy uh, being lit up by the uh, the helicopter surge lamps, just dancing a jig, and everybody starts cheering. <laughs> yeah, those because of course they knew what's going on. Yeah, they, they're like, what? they've got to be completely baffled by what they just witnessed. I have no idea what's going on right now. I can only imagine what I'd be thinking after, say, live on television, you see a guy get shot up and then fall on a bunch of rotor blades and, you know, let alone the people underneath that helicopter that were splashed with bits of Milo. It's just so weird. (laughs) It is. (laughs) So now we've got the aftermath out in the parking lot. Joe finally confronts the senator and gives him the same line as earlier, the head or the gut. Yeah. Gets a good punch in on the senator. The wife professes her love for Joe, says, I'll buy a dog. Yeah. She's lonely. And Joe proceeds to tell her that he hates her. Yeah. Look, you say, you lying bitch. The cops are here. It's spit in your face. I mean, these, these t-shirts just write themselves. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can't tell if he's serious or if that's just kind of their thing. Yeah, because she 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 kind of starts laughing when he says that. Yeah. So I, if I were to venture a guess, I'd say it's their thing. That that was the way of cracking the joke. He does say earlier at their house, you know, I wish I didn't love my wife. So he does still love her. Yeah. But then they notice the briefcase is gone, and then in the distance you see a a mansion go boom. Boom. Yeah. Because the briefcase of money was actually in the trunk, not in the, uh, not in the passenger seat. Yeah. And if, uh, yeah. a, a bit of trivia, that explosion was reused for last action hero. <laughs> then we got our final scene. The wife and the kid are finally showing Joe some respect. White backs him up and she's like, yes, dad or something. And Joe asked Jimmy to be his partner. Mm-hmm. Starts talking about the tricks of the trade. Beginning of a beautiful friendship that will not end well. (laughs) Probably not. So for me, this movie was a lot of fun, but man, it was all over the place. I love the story. I love the action. uh, But the whole thing was off with the dialogue, the editing, and the pacing. You could tell that there was just a lot of craziness and changes. It It didn't seem like a cohesive movie yeah and there were a lot of there were a lot of obvious tropes that they put in there particularly the whole Chekhov gun thing where they'll you know show you something in act one it's going to be used i'm actually going to use an act two kind of thing that happened a lot 
Uh, yeah, there was a lot of setup, which which is to me Shane Black on storytelling. He, he's very good at that. Yeah. Which it, the key for that is subtlety and not making it super obvious. Agreed. Like the sh- the whole shredder bullets thing, that was super obvious. Super obvious. <laughs> like, oh, oh, they're going to use these soon. <laughs> so, uh, does it hold up today? Well, yeah, it was a it was a good movie. Football and gambling always topical these days. Story story wise, yes. Acting quality, no. Yeah. Uh, Acting quality, dialogue, no. Uh, I've noticed people are a lot more uh, uh, stranded on things like that nowadays. Yeah, there were a lot of a lot of jokes and dialogue that definitely don't really hold up in the vein of relatable or or political correctness. So you got you got there's gay jokes in there, the guns, uh, the explosions. I mean, just there's a lot of things that are a bit out of place. And the the biggest thing on to me is just the fact that it takes so long for you to even understand what's happening. Uh, there's so much time going through. You don't, you basically don't find out the plot of the movie until the third act. Yeah. I mean, you're over an hour in definitely. Yeah. At least the second act, at least the end of the second act. Yeah. The beginning of the first third act. The movie was told from the antagonist perspective. I guess that would be Taylor Negron, Milo. I'd like to see it from Shelley Marcone's position. Oh yeah. The business, the the business, see the, literally the business side. So this the setup of uh the whole thing yeah where it's all unraveling because of this because this stupid private detective that has nothing to do with it yeah this one guy and a stripper or or it could be you know lifestyles of a professional hitman from from milo's perspective (laughs) he just gets randomly hired to uh take out a senator for over a sports betting deal who is this movie for honestly Um, i'd say us you know, the football-loving, <laughs> yeah. action-movie-loving guys in their 20s to 40s. People who, who grew up in the 90s and who loved those, like, Lethal Weapon, Last Action Hero, stereotypical buddy cop action movies. Yeah, I think that uh, if I asked my wife to watch this, she'd stare at me cross-eyed. Like, I have no desire to watch this one. <laughs> yeah. Um, where, what about where, where are these characters in six months to a year from the end of this movie? We're going to assume that they're a highly successful um, private eye duo uh, akin to uh, the TV series site. <laughs> so I have specific answers for this one. I've got <laughs> Joe and Sarah divorced. Easy. The daughter is in therapy. <laughs> no surprise there. And Jimmy is Jimmy is back at the strip club and or dead. Yeah. I don't think that there is a future for any of the people in this movie. Yeah, nobody nobody got better after this one. Joe's still being a pri- uh, a PI, but just hangs out at the strip club all the time. They probably wouldn't. Well, uh, other than the fact that his girlfriend was, you know, gunned down outside of it. Um, yeah. There might be some memories there. So if you were to recast one of the leads at the time it was made, who would who would you pick? This one's kind of hard considering this was the time of, you know, the, the lethal weapons and the diehards, like diehard three. I love, you got Bruce Willis and Samuel Jackson were you know, perfect for that movie. And then obviously got Mel Gibson, Danny Glover. I don't know. Um, I think, uh, I kind of lean towards Tom Cruise or Val Kilmer. I think they would probably have had fun as a 
rundown cop in this role? Yeah, I could see that. I, I actually said it did the same concept with uh, Sylvester Stallone. You're just all up on Tango and Cash. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> the, um, you know, like, like, like picture this with, with Tom Cruise and Chris Rock at the time. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Although I can't see Chris Rock playing a former uh, quarterback. Tom Cruise with Chris Tucker. Can you picture Chris Tucker as a quarterback? Sure. No. Uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. Oh, there you go. Oh, I, could t- I could totally see that. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. The time frame, though, that's one I could see. Yeah. When was Jerry Maguire? That was, those early 90s? Uh, after this. Definitely after this. Late 90s. For a different version of the movie, a lighter, darker, or or whatever, I, I just put that this movie, to me, is ripe for a remake in today's environment. Yeah. I would I would watch the hell out of that. I can see this, and if it was done today, uh, I think uh, it would be done akin to how they did uh, the Sixth Day, where they actually used real things that uh, existed, like the XFL. So they'd probably model it after like the XFL or USFL or something. I could see that. Yeah, but I I could totally get behind you know, with CGI aside, you know, just having having a more cohesive writer, director, producer put together this story with with the gambling thing as the primary plot point and then the the buddy cop detective movie, I think that would make a, a great remake. Yeah, you can get the girl from Annabelle play the daughter, the crazy daughter. <laughs> Need to bring back Shane Black to write, direct, and produce it. Just let him let him take the helm. Do it his yeah, way. The black cut. <laughs> So um, where would you rank this as far as appropriate for your own kids? Boobs. New. New. That'd be new. Whether it was the on-field, you know, murder, suicide, or the strip club boobs, or any random thing, I'm going to go with no for my kids. Yeah. It's a real shocker there. Yeah. It's one of the reasons it took so long to watch this one. You got to find time. So final movie thoughts from you? Uh, to me, I mean, it was, it had all the vibes of, like I've kind of said before, it, it had all the vibes of your typical 90s uh, buddy cop type uh, drama with a really convoluted plot that she, that was unknown the majority of the movie. So that kind of took away from it, from the watching experience. You're more trying to figure out what the hell is going on than actually trying to follow what the characters are doing. So I think. I understand why it was done that way and I can respect it a little bit, but it, it took away from the viewing experience a little for me to try trying to piece together what I thought the plot was only to be completely wrong. Yeah. This movie has a lot of wasted potential to me. Mm -hmm. Uh, it it did a lot of things, right. But it did a lot of things just wonky. And, uh, uh, we've already talked about saying a lot of interference on there, but from from a very solid story that I would like to see done well, it was just too too much iffiness in there for me to to really you know say that it was a great movie. Yeah, and I even have as one of my final thoughts is like the most memorable part of this movie is that opening scene that has absolutely nothing to do with the rest. You're right. You're absolutely right. 
they could have done a lot with just throwaway lines of mm-hmm. you know to to put to, for bread breadcrumbs you know something about gambling at the beginning you know the spread or there's a lot of money or it just there's a lot of different things throughout the whole of the movie that could have laid better breadcrumbs so that halfway through the movie like oh this is about sports gambling and politics i had no idea or maybe we're just a couple of yokels that didn't pick up on all the subtlety so who would you recommend for the cinema decon hall of fame because i'm undecided on this yeah i i'm already decided on this too i'm undecided you're undecided yes all right uh i am decided decisively decided uh and it would be taylor negra oh okay virtually i like I like Bruce Willis. I think he did a good job as playing the, the Strock cop and everything. But Taylor Argron as character Milo is by far my favorite in this show. You're right. You're right. Uh, I, I had down Bruce Willis or Shane Black, but you 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 make a good point. I, I as we talked through this, the we had nothing but good things to say about Taylor Negron. Yeah. If you think about his other roles, you know, like with nothing but trouble or uh, if he was in fast times, uh, nothing like this. And he just embraced that, that stoic and academic level of ruthless villain. It was, it was really good. I, I, I can get on board with that. Congratulations to Taylor Negron, the latest inductee of the Cinema Decon Hall of Fame. Huzzah. All right. Now is the time in our show where we rank the movie based on our fan review, uh, while also adding in the IMDb rating. This is a 10-point scale, and the average will put the movie on our mega list. Steve, uh, what, what did you give this movie? I ranked The Last Boy Scout a 6.6. For me, uh, I actually went a, a bit lower. I got it at a 5.5, uh, primarily with the whole plot thing. So. All right. Let's see. And we're both low. Uh, IMDb has this at a solid seven. Really? Yeah. By our powers combined, composite score of 6.37, which puts this at number nine on our list, below Coneheads, but above Tin Cup. I'm okay with that. Nothing against Tin yeah, Cup. Yeah, it's yeah. just not my kind of movie. This is a good movie. Actually puts it... Right. And yeah. I, and again, also a lot of the, the majority of this ranking is IMDb. IMDb throws us off every time. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I was going to say, have we been, have we been really close to anything IMDb has done uh, yet? On a couple um, hackers. We were pretty close. Uh, we gave it in the sixes and it was a 6.2. Uh, good night and good luck. We were actually a little lower, but by only by 0.4. Yeah, yeah, we're, 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 our mid-range ones are close, but it's our 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 top two that are that IMDb really lowballed them. Three three amigos and idiocracy. Yeah. Amateurs, <laughs> amateur said the amateur. Well, we got paid for this. Does that make us professionals? That is true. <laughs> we get professional badges. <laughs> Which uh, thank you to Levi for sponsoring this movie. Appreciate your uh, support for the show, and uh, please feel free to purchase another yeah when that when they finally do take our advice and do a uh 2020 remake or 2023 remake of the last boy scout to the next generation uh we look forward to ha- having you uh recommend that one as well <laughs> and now i've got the next generation music stuck in my head <laughs> those worth scores 
All right, uh, media pitch, Aaron. What do you uh, what are you listening to, watching, uh, or doing these days? Oh man, yeah. Um, so the uh, the one I've gotten into most recently, from like, is the new uh, Paramount series Halo, uh, which is based on the old Xbox game of the same name. Uh, it's one of those where, as soon as it was announced, I was almost certain they were going to screw it up. And I, uh, I haven't played Halo in quite a while, and I haven't played all the big games, so I, I wouldn't say I'm a, a diehard fan or anything. But I remember the original games, and I, I thought there was no way they would be able to get this right. And I know there are a lot of people out there that, uh, that are diehard fans that aren't happy with some of the things they've done. But I would say, all in all, I think they've done a very, very well job, or a very good job. So I'm, I'm pretty happy with that. It's, it's pretty cool. Yeah, I know that there's a lot of uh, reviews out there about some excessive wokeness and stuff that doesn't affect it at all. And I wouldn't even say that. Uh, it it was just a lot of uh, a lot of things. Like uh, one of the main things is that in the video games, you never see the protagonist, Master Chief, without his helmet on, and they made the decision to humanize him and take his helmet off at the in the very first episode. A lot of people didn't like that. Um, to me, I think they were just trying to not be the next Mandalorian <laughs> and not make the helmet a plot point. Yeah, there, yeah there's some. And that. also, it makes more sense that he actually would take his helmet off. So, yeah, I guess there would be some to that. But that's me. So, for me, and it's kind of funny that uh, you mentioned it earlier, but I'm going to uh, go kind of a retro throw here to Psych. Just completely randomly that we've been. My wife and I, we've been going through from beginning to end because it's all on Amazon Prime right now. Man, that's a hell of a good show. It, it really is. Mm -hmm. It's uh, the the dynamic between uh, James Rohde and Dulé Hill as the, as the two leads is phenomenal. And all of their quips and banter, you know, they those two characters would fit right in on Cinema Decon. Then you get into the cameos throughout the whole thing from, from Tim Curry to William Shatner and so many good plot points. You can tell a lot about a person by where they recognize Tim Curry from. Well, he's got so many. The first thing that pops into my head is Clue, as, as always. Yeah, Clue or Rocky Horror. Yeah, but then you got Pennywise. Uh, uh, I loved him in Congo. I don't care how bad that movie is. He was great oh, in Congo. Wow. Congo. <laughs> <laughs> it's a diamonds. <laughs> But his episode, his episode of Psych, he plays the uh, Simon Cowell character on a uh, a singing competition. So and he goes, <laughs> he goes weird. over the top British insults in every scene. It's great, and he just like relishes being that dickhead. It's a really good episode. So he was literally playing Simon Cowell. Yeah, yeah, more or less. <laughs> All right, okay. Next up, we will spin to see what we're watching next. Actually, we will not be spinning this time around as we have another paid movie request. That's right. Our next episode comes from fan of the show, Jamal, who wants to hear us ramble about two movies, actually. 1987's Predator and, and then 1990's Predator 2, which Jamal says he will be joining us for Predator 2. Excellent. That one. Man, I, I may have, I've seen Predator so many times 
I, I think I've seen Predator 2 maybe twice. I, I think Predator might give uh, our top spot a run for its money. It's a pretty perfect movie to my recollection. Yeah. And, uh, and Predator 2, I just remember is fun. Uh, Danny Glover in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but uh, Jamal apparently loves Predator 2, so he, he's all in on those. All right, cool. We'll look, look forward to catching up with him and uh, catching up with both of these movies that I haven't seen in a while. Jamal, who recently joined me on our other podcast, Music Rewind, where he, me and him talked Alabama Shakes, Sound and Color. Look for that sometime in June for those that listen to Music Rewind, which should be all of you, right? Of course. All, all of the people. people. Well, that's all for this episode. Thank you for listening, and we hope you stay with us through this little experiment. What do you think of The Last Boy Scout? Let us know on our socials, and we'll be sure to tell you how wrong you are. Please don't forget to subscribe to leave a review wherever you listen. Check us out on our website in the show notes to see the full list of movies we'll be covering in our rankings thus far. Be sure to give a listen to our sister podcast, Music Rewind, which has season two airing now. We'll see you next time on On Cinema Decom. I have dicks. <laughs> One, two, three. A podcast from the Sidereal Media Group. Back to you, anchors.